This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. So, Canon. Canon. Or as I like to say, Canon. Canon. That's so Canadian of you. I know. I know. I, I, I try. I like our Canadian friends, so I, I try to <laughs> represent them as much as possible. Yeah. Speaking of Canadian friends, I've got a few right now. Hey, what are you listening to? Uh, what, me? Yeah. Oh, um, didn't think you cared. Uh, I'm listening to the Scarab Scuttlebutt podcast. Ooh, good choice. They have episodes each week. Sometimes they even have two episodes a week. Oh, that's getting out of hand. Because <laughs> now there are two of them. <laughs> now there are two of them. Yes, no more, no less. Uh, he's always very entertaining, and he's got a bunch of friends that often join him, and all sorts of fun and informative. I mean, I don't have to tell anybody. You know why? Why? Because they're about to listen right now. Oh, that's right, because they're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Oh, also, we're Pat and Charles from the Conversations <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> we forgot that. It's like we've never done this before. Okay, folks, we are embarking on a brand new Quick Cuts episode. It's a uh, Quick Cuts, if you are not familiar with that aspect of our show we take a couple of topics and uh put them in one show and uh, we've got three topics tonight the first one with my good friend dave from what does star wars mean to you we're going to be talking about the importance of canon in the uh, franchises that we love and maybe yeah. some franchises that we don't love but uh, dave how you doing tonight I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me on and, and, and talking about canon, which it seems to be, I don't know, I, I could be in my own bubble, but it feels like a hot topic of the day. Sure, absolutely. I think canon, when it comes to Star Wars in particular, because, you know, Star Wars has uh, been around for quite some time and there's many, many stories and yeah. there are many, many controversies when it comes to canon. You've got, uh, you know, the expanded universe and the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what are they calling legends. that now? The legends. And, the and legend. all those stories that uh, that we grew up in the 90s that were decanonized. And actually, I'm not, I'm not even sure if they were canon to begin with because I know George Lucas is like, he really, you know, he, he knew yeah. of the stories, but they weren't like his. So he's like, eh, you know. I'll, I'll let them, I'll license them out to, to some, some peeps and then, uh, but I'll, you know, mine are the ones that are important, yeah. but, um, you know, fans obviously, um, enjoyed those stories and, um, I, you know, some people obviously wish they were canon, uh, especially now because there's a lot of talk. Um, but, uh, you know, we might be living in the same bubble, Dave, cause I, I'm hearing that, uh, I'm hearing conversations about canon as well. Yeah, the canon word, um, or as I like to say, the C word on Twitter. I, people get confused a lot. Um, oh, they yeah, don't know I I'm talking see. about But uh, seriously, though, it's very interesting to me, uh, especially the evolution of canon um, and how canon is viewed. Like, I believe in the 80s and 90s, canon was a little looser. There was this idea, you look at things like uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars itself, uh, even comic books, um, that they tell ongoing stories. I mean, one of the, uh, um, 
one of the drawbacks, I guess, of comic books, and I think of Star Trek stories and Star Wars stories as well now, is you're perpetually in the second act, meaning you're always... Um, you're always facing off of a, uh, a bad guy, overcome it, and then you have to face off against another bad guy. You're never reaching that third act resolution. Oh. Um, and and so what Canon does is fill that all up. I think, did you read, let's take comic books, because I'm sure you read Spider-Man as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you still currently read Spider-Man, or is it... No, I'll just pick up, you know, random titles. I'm not, uh, I, I am no longer a staunch, uh, comic book reader. Yeah. Um, m- my mortgage kind of changed all that. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> mortgage payments. <laughs> Do I need a house or a $4 comic book this week? I don't. Hmm. That's a tough decision. So, uh, reading comic books as you grow up is kind of really interesting that, uh, Spider-Man was created in 63. He was 15 years old at the time. And I feel as though when I was reading him in the late 80s, he was 22, 23, like somewhere between college and living life. Um, and we just accepted that 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 kind of dilation of time is is possible because you right. take all his stories from 63 to even 88 there's a lot of stories there um but what happens for comic book fans i think is they realize there are certain points that are like hard canon and for example, with Spider-Man, it's the death of Mary Jane. Uh, I'm sorry, the death of Gwen Stacy. Right. Uh, meeting Mary Jane. Uh, his relationship with Norman Osborn. Um, the, the death of Uncle Ben. All those are constants. But the smaller stories, like when he fights Spot or when he fights, um, uh, not the tarantula, but uh, the scorpion, you know, those kind of like kind of come and go and don't have as uh, as much impact as uh, on the storyline as a whole, uh, you know, as as his personal history. Um, and I think with with Star Wars and with Marvel movies to an extent, they started having canon be much more um cross media platforms you know it's like uh it i think with with um something like star trek which is a good example where star trek had the shows and then the movies and those were i in my world were considered to be canon and then all the books and stuff were kind of adjunct like maybe they really did happen maybe they really didn't maybe the history of um Oh, I forgot William Shatner's character name, uh, Kirk, Captain Kirk, <laughs> his history in Best Destiny, the a book by Diane Duane, um, is not necessarily the history of of Kirk within, you know, William Shatner's own head or uh, Gene Roddenberry's own head. And but with things like Star Wars, I, I think when Star Wars first, uh, the Legend series was considered canon, so much so that um, George Lucas had to name the central planet Coruscant in 
the Phantom Menace because Timothy mm-hmm. Zahn had named it in the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. But I think that's where kind of I think you were right, though, when you said like George Lucas uh, probably was aware of them, but wasn't tied to them when he was making sure. his movies. Um, yeah. And that's so, interesting, too, because you mentioned, you know, the uh, the extensive lore and the extensive stories that uh, that we are treated uh, to in Spider-Man um, yeah. along, um, you know, many, many years of stories between his creation and the time that he eventually graduates high school <laughs> and goes into college. <laughs> there there are a lot of stories there when it comes to Star Wars. And again, Star Wars has been around for a while and now we've gotten, you know, Besides the original trilogy, we've got comic books and novels and and uh-huh. stories that are embedded within the games, et cetera, et cetera. We've got all sorts of stuff. And um, the ability to absorb these stories on a multifaceted um, point of view uh, for fans uh, that choose to absorb as much as they can when it comes to story and canon um, I think is, is kind of a unique thing and not just to star Wars, because I know, you know, star Trek kind of enjoys the same thing, but I yeah. think the lore and the stories that are outside of the films per se in star Wars, um, might hold a little more, I don't know, gravitas when it comes to the overall, story from beginning to end and i know like i like i mentioned there's a lot out there you know we we recently had the ahsoka show and then for someone who's uh first um you know taste of the ahsoka characters who had no idea who these characters were from the uh from the animated shows um i always wonder like you know for somebody like that like what is it like to, to kind of um enter this world kind of in uh in the middle of the second act as you as you put it it's yeah. uh, it's, it's interesting um one of uh, one of our followers has this to say about canon an extended story that can maintain internal consistency and still tell a good story is definitely a greater work of art on a less literary scale, Canon rewards fans for consuming massive quantities of media and allows for a lingua franca in fan discourse. This is from Tresob or Tresob uh, on Twitter. And that's that's kind of what I was talking about. I think, you know, somebody that watches a lot of media, whether it's uh, or absorbs a lot of media besides the movies, um, the TV shows, the animation, the car, the uh, the, the yeah. comic books. Yep. You know, we we um, we get a grander scale of the story, and I think we get a, a a better understanding for sure. We get a better understanding of characters, scenarios, motivation of these characters, and I think it's. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's it's a lot more rewarding for for us to be able to to absorb that much uh, story when it comes to Canon. Um, and not to say that uh, people that are just coming into a show like Ahsoka that have no background knowledge of these characters don't enjoy it also. But I think there is an added element of enjoyment when you do follow the story from beginning. I mean, I can't imagine jumping into a show and not knowing, you know, the, the full dramatic, um, 
story of Ezra and and the rest of the yeah. uh, team and rebels. It's uh, it's it's kind of unfathomable to me because the, you know we we do we have been treated um, with a lot of story there, um, and not only with Ahsoka, but obviously with with everything else in the Star Wars galaxy. Absolutely, and uh, for example, the Ahsoka show. One of the great rewards I thought was Balin being on the statue of Mortis at the very end. And Mortis is a reference to a Clone Wars episode where Anakin faces off against the father, son, and daughter of the Force, which is a fantastic uh, arc within Clone Wars, but then brought back here and, and gives it a kind of a whole new dimension and teasing of what season two could possibly be because it's tied to that, um, to that story arc in clone wars. It's uh, it can, it, so it is very rewarding in that aspect. Yeah. And it's um, I'm going to cut to the chase and ask you just point blank. And what, what is your, um, your first reaction when I say canon, do you feel it's important or or do you not feel it's important? I feel as though it's important um, uh, to an extent. Um, I think Star Wars does a fantastic job of having this story council or whatever it's called, the story editing group, who kind of guide everything and make sure everything lines up. I think Disney did some things right in approaching uh, the the Disney canon in that they, in some ways, decided to tell smaller stories. Um, for instance... Um, Mike Chin's book Brotherhood is a great story of Anakin and Obi-Wan just as the um, Clone Wars were beginning and they have to go to Neomodia uh, to solve kind of a crime. And it's uh, kind of a it's not a galaxy uh, spanning story and that's what i think star wars uh the story group has done with with the books is like they're telling smaller stories like lando and luke trying to find uh ray's parents in this mystery in a prequel story to the force awakens uh by adam christopher i believe um and uh or the story of han solo and princess leia's uh, what do you call that? A uh, honeymoon on board the now defunct Halcyon. Um, wow, they, Han and Leia really knew how to party. They made they uh, they closed yeah. that, they shut that place down. <laughs> Quite a honeymoon, so true. And 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 I think maybe that's where canon is a little bit of a trap because now they have this thing that they really wanted to be a product of Disney World is now canon within Star Wars and there's no growth for it anymore because the, it, because Disney's going to back something that uh, I don't know if it failed or not, but that is no longer existing in the parks. Um, yeah. But let me, I, can I ask you a question about um, Star Trek no. and canon? No, sure. Uh, this is one my friends and I always talk about. In 66, uh, the Klingons were basically guys in makeup. Sure. You know, it wasn't they didn't have the ridged foreheads. They kind of had like 
the silver outfits. Uh, but they were basically humans that were uh, in makeup. And then I think it was Star Trek. Was it Star Trek, the motion picture or Star Trek two motion, uh, motion picture that revealed the ridged forehead right. um, Klingon. And then I was watching Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. And they're the ridged foreheads were kind of smaller and versus wharfs who has kind of larger ridges. Um, what do you think of Canon versus technology where at one point it was one way, but because technology has evolved, the ability to create better effects evolved and therefore, um, created gave them the ability to have klingons that look more like alien species and i can make this a star wars question too just by saying look at the jedi battles in um in the first three movies sure. where luke versus darth vader ben versus darth vader versus the jedi of the prequel series where they are just shy of superhero a uh, super uh yeah, superheroes. Yeah, super ability. Yeah, super I think. Ability, uh, I think. Um, in the case of Star Wars, I think it's uh, it has kind of been explained. You know, Vader and Obi Wan when they meet in A New Hope are older Jedi. They are, um, you know, obviously Obi Wan's got some gray in his beard, and and uh, he has uh, kind of. Um, you know, been on Tatooine and he's no longer a Jedi. He's just an old dude. You know, the same could be said about Darth Vader at that moment. Um, the, uh, the fighting style is obviously, you know, slower and less intense. If you want to mm -hmm. take George, George Lucas's, uh, phrase there. So I think, um, you know, from a timing perspective, I think it can be explained away as these two characters are old. And in the prequels, you know, the uh, the battle between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and, and, and Darth Maul, I mean, these are, you know, kind of when Jedi were close to their peak um, yeah. as far as performance. So the battles there are a little, you know, a, a lot more faster and more intense for sure. Um, so I, I think something like that can be explained away uh, in in kind of a logical uh, perspective. I think when it comes to your Star Trek question, I think as long as the producers um, kind of give fans a, a logical explanation as to why, you know, the Klingon ridges are, are different. Um, obviously, they, you know, they made fun of it in, in uh, Deep Space Nine when uh, Worf and, and the rest of the crew yes. went, went back in time, you know, to that particular era. Um so that was kind of, you know, a little tongue in cheek and, and, you know, fans, I, I think fans recognize the fact that, okay, it's because the technology yeah. changed and makeup and yada, yada, yada. But, um, I think that's kind of a, I think both instances are kind of a fun way to, uh, explain things when it comes to, uh, you know, longer canon elements such as lightsaber fights or ridges on your forehead. Um, you know, it's, uh. It is what it is. I, I I think it's fun. Yeah, and I also think that um, I'm sorry. I, I kind of lost my train of thought. I apologize. Um, what is it? What is the most important thing about canon for you? Oh, for me is uh, you know the ability to uh, to tell a story. 
uh, in the long run that is consistent between media. Mm-hmm. And and I know, you know, I think I heard Dave Filoni once say, you know, everything's canon until it's not. And, yeah. you know, George Lucas really had this thing where, you know, it, he almost, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Filoni studied under George and, you know, I, I can hear George saying the same thing. And maybe he did somewhere. I read it where, you know, everything is canon until it's not. I think for him, it was the movies that were um, canon and and official storytelling. Um, you know, right now, obviously, we have the um, the instances where, you know, some of the books have been uh, retroactively changed. Uh, you've got the Ahsoka novel that people, mm-hmm. you know, obviously love. It was great. Um, and some of the elements in that Ahsoka novel were changed through the uh, some of the newer animated shows. Um, so I, you know, I I'm not too caught up on canon um, because it's, uh, you know, the changes that, that I see that have been made are not like super detrimental to the outcome of the story as we know it. Um, yeah. I, I think if it were different, if, you know, if somehow it was, you know, changed that, uh, you know, I don't know, something as drastic as, uh, you know, Anakin, didn't turn to the dark side and all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's a good guy or whatever, but you know, something like that is, is obviously drastic and, 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 you know, goes to another extreme. But, uh, you know, I, I think, um, like you said earlier, sometimes, you know, Canon kind of, uh, locks you into a course where you might not be able to find a, a, a good solution to resolve your story. Um, yeah. And then sometimes you just have to, you know, tweak it a little bit or change it. Uh, to me, it's not a big deal. Um, as long as the essence of the story remains, um, I think, uh, you know, it's it's up to the creative to, to kind of uh, dish that out and, um, and, you know, kind of stick with their guns when it comes to changing, you know, whatever it is that they change. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because Star Wars has the the challenge of they're creating stories everywhere in the timeline. It's not like they started at point A and went to B to C to D. They started at point G and went back to C and then went forward to L and then are going back to A. And so they're all, um, they have that extra little bit of a, a hoop to jump through to, make sure things that are happened in the past chronologically, but maybe happening in the future of storytelling line up with things. And one example of that is the, uh, are they called the death troopers from rogue one? Yeah. They're great, great kind of um, style of stormtroopers that then disappear for three movies. And they can they can work them into the comic books to kind of fill in that space or into the store uh, stories, but they'll never be able to unless they do another uh, special edition. They'll never be able to work them into the movies. And I just think that's a and, and that's not a negative thing. That's not a critique. It's just an interesting challenge that the creators have to uh, deal uh, have to uh, face. 
Sure, sure. And that being said, I'm going to read another comment from the Ooh. same user, uh, Tresob, Tresob, and um, he mentions uh, he mentions. Uh, so this could be uh, taken, um, you know, into consideration. What happens when Canon, you know, goes against you or works against you, um, like what you just said? Um, he says breaking Canon can be fine for creating media that exists in a perpetual in a perpetual present, but if the story is not entertaining enough, it frustrates long time or broad consumers of said media. It also makes the creators look like they have less knowledge than fans <laughs> or don't value the lore. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I think there is a danger that, uh, that kind of creeps up. If you start changing, um, Canon willy nilly, uh, yeah. obviously you are sending, in my opinion, you might be sending the message that, you know what, I really don't care about the lore or the history of this product that I'm entrenched in creating now. And that obviously turns uh, turn, turns fans away. Yeah. it's a, I call it the, the Snack Snyder paradox. Okay. Actually, I, I just made that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I first of all, Really salient, um, well said tweet found on Twitter. That's a that's a really impressive um, uh, insight. Um, so I got some good. You. I got I, I got some good followers. Yeah, you, you've got some smarter than me. Whenever you po post a, a question, I'm like, I like Star Wars. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if people are these days more uh feel a, a need to have have canon be more strict or more rigid than uh what we had back in the 80s like has has the idea of canon evolved from 1977 to where we are now within the fandom yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, technically, has uh, has the role of canon changed from all the media that we had, like you said, back in the day? Or have audiences been a little bit more maybe critical or picky on what it is yeah. that they uh, accept as canon? I don't know. Um, maybe, or, or, maybe the audience has changed or maybe the media has changed. I'm not sure. And it may be both. Maybe it's the, like... To be completely cynical, maybe it's the marketing and the idea that let's give people all these connections so that they feel immersed within the story and they have to kind of like what um, uh, uh, Lucasfilm did with uh, Shadows of the Empire in, in the mid 90s was this idea of let's create a non movie um, movie a, a, a almost movie. Yeah. Yeah, campaign. And, and and they had the book, the soundtrack, the toys, the comic books. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if they had comic books. I'm sure they did, but I'm not yeah, 100% yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, new characters. And they gave they gave you everything except for the movie itself. Um, and so nowadays, it's, it's, it's kind of like what Marvel does. What Star Wars does is... Every story is somewhat interconnected in ways that the person who's been patient enough and steadily enough to follow and know everything will be rewarded. Yeah, 
I think, um, and you know, as as someone who has absorbed a lot of stories throughout uh, the years uh, yeah. on different media, I think it is a lot more rewarding to be a um, this kind of fan. And again, we're not knocking anybody that only does the movies or has no. have never have never read a, a comic book or a novel. Um, you know, Star Wars is fun, no matter uh, how much Star Wars you take in. But um, yeah, lore. You know, uh, canon is a is a tricky thing. Uh, it means uh, different things to different people, and I'm glad it does because uh, yeah. if uh, if everything was the same in the world, it'd be pretty boring. Howdy, Row. It's Garrett Podcast Crew. Garrett B. With some thoughts and opinions, um, over the past few days, have seen questions posed by Scarif on the canon of Star Wars and what good what good's it for alright my opinions on Star Wars canon what it's good for is it's literally and I know this is already known it's literally the history of the stories in that galaxy far far away Put in a timeline sort of order for folks to be able to follow on what's happening where and when there was even I want to say it was last last year there was a book put together by five different authors which is now it was out of date before it even hit shelves but I do have a, a copy of it it is a fun Fun thing to be able to have that it brings together not just the films and the stuff from streaming, but also novels, comics, video games, every story from the dawn of the galaxy to where it ended up with was the end of the sequel trilogy and everything in between. So there's a lot there and some folks kind of keep up with it and others kind of hang on to it sort of loosely and it's everyone's choice on how they choose to keep up with canon or not I think it's an important thing for me some folks would rather see it done away with my thoughts on that would be we've had stuff here in our galaxy that concerns our history being erased. I'd rather not see that happen in a galaxy far, far away. And one other little quick thought on this is some folks have taken thoughts and opinions on different stories, kind of, well, this one kind of seems similar to that one. Well, history repeats itself in our galaxy. It can do the same, in my opinion, in the galaxy far, far away. Maybe not right down to every exact detail, but just similarities. So that's my thoughts on Star Wars canon. May the force be with all of you. Long live the Empire. Well, uh, that was a great discussion. I want to thank uh, my follower who uh, contributed to this yes. uh, discussion. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, Dave, thank you so much for, uh, you know, discussing this topic with us here on the Quick Cuts segment of uh, the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Dave, where can people find you to say hello there? Hello there. Well, they can find me on the socials at Star Wars Mean to You. That's Star Wars Mean, the number two in the letter U. Um, and you can listen to uh, my interviews with uh, Vanessa Marshall, uh, Mike Chin, Adam Christopher, um, Adam Lance Garcia, a lot of great authors and contributors to the Star Wars world to find out what Star Wars means to them uh, on iTunes, or I'm sorry, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and anywhere else you podcast. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, open invite anytime, Dave. Thank oh. you very much for being available and uh, offering this topic. It's a, it's a great topic, but um, I always have uh, fun whenever you come on by, so uh, please uh, make it a habit. Thank you so much. I will. Excellent. All right, guys, we got another Quick Cuts topics coming up, uh, and this one is going to be hot. Quick Cuts. You get the force. I have the force. Everybody gets the force. Do you need to be special to be trained as a Jedi? Or can you just train hard and everybody becomes a special Jedi? Let's uh, hear what we have to say about that topic because uh, the discussion ain't over yet. We'll be right back after these messages from some of our friends everywhere. We'll be back. Hey, friends, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. This is Sentry Mode. Okay, folks, you heard that jingle. It's time for Sentry Mode here on the Scared Scuttlebutt Podcast. Sentry Mode, for those of you who are new here at the Citadel, is a little Q&A, a little quiz segment that I've got. I uh, bring in a friend and we, uh, uh, I quiz them, I test them, their, their knowledge of the nerd, of the geekiness, and uh, we'll see how, uh, we see how people do. Um, it... Uh, all across the nerdosphere, I talk about either I asked uh, Star Wars questions or geek movie questions. Uh, but tonight, we're going to focus a little bit on uh, Star Wars with my buddy, Sean, from Extra Star Wars and Extra Techie and Extra Everything Else. How you doing, Sean? I am unprepared for class. I have uh, ostracized myself away from the Star Wars universe since the end of Ahsoka. So this will be fun. Excellent, excellent. You've uh, cut yourself off from the force, as as it were, right? Well, you know what? It you, when you when it comes right back around, it's going to feel great. <laughs> excellent, excellent. This is uh, this is one of those uh, cinematic episodes for the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Fire away. 
Excellent. And I see uh, this is audio only, but I see that you've uh, you put on your Star Wars hoodie. Uh, extra points for that. This is a fresh hoodie from Christmas time. My wife bought this for me, and I then took her to urgent care because I wasn't sure if she was feeling okay. <laughs> excellent, excellent. It's like, oh, my God. You know, I, I've gotten uh, several Star Wars items as well, and um, I realized that uh, the wives really do care. This is actually a full sweatsuit. You can't see the pants. They're impressive. <laughs> nice. All right, question number one. Let's go backwards. Okay, question number five. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. All right, five questions. Here we go. Here's the first question. What planet is Sheev Palpatine from? I believe Sheev Palpatine is from the planet of Naboo. That is correct. Naboo, our wonderful paradise planet. Full of chromium ships and lovely beaches. <laughs> Very nice. A nice vacation spot for any evil, uh, you know, evil sorcerer. Secret weddings. Secret weddings, that's right. I Excellent. believe it uh, makes a High Republic appearance. Oh, very nice. Yes. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Planet of Naboo. Uh, here, here we go. Question number two. What line or variation of a line of dialogue has made it into every Star Wars film in the saga? Well, not every film, but it's uh, what BB-8 says in Beeps in the best Star Wars movie, uh, which is The Last Jedi, of course. And it's, I've got a bad feeling about this, which is what I felt when you asked me to come on today. Absolutely. You uh, you're, you're hide your feelings. They will do you injustice. <laughs> Excellent. That is perfect. You are correct. I have a bad feeling about this. Um, you know, it's funny because that line, not only uh, do we hear that in uh, a couple of Star Wars movies, but sometimes when I hear it in non-Star Wars movies, I'm mm. like, oh, the writer must be a Star Wars fan. So mm. that's kind of funny. That and here they come, which we've discussed that in the past. So <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. It doesn't count. <laughs> All right. Question number three. How many forms of communication is C-3PO fluent in? Six million. That is a lot, and that is correct, sir. Mm. Million forms of communication. Good old 3PO. Goldenrod, as they call them yes. in, in yes. college. Probably didn't recognize him. <laughs> All right. Question number four. What was Galen Erso's nickname for his daughter? <sighs> I have it in my head. I know. I could see it. it is the... Uh, the code name for the plans. Stand by. You can cut this and make me sound really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and it is space oriented. <laughs> oh man, hold on. I'm put. I'm. I'm getting myself into Mads Mickelson's uh, head. It's Mads, right? Yeah. That's, yes. Mm -hmm. um, one, of the, one of the Mickelsons. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is a great question. I'm so mad at myself. I've seen Rogue One so many times. It's been a while, though. Uh, Stardust, it there came to me. There you go. It came to you. Your mind has Come on. opened. 
And that is, uh, like if I were a sportscaster, I'd say something sporty and exciting. This, you know what? I didn't choke under pressure, and it was not wide right as it was in the Chiefs game last night. Excellent. And and since I'm Mexican, all I have to say is, go! Yes! <laughs> and I look like Ted Lasso, so life's great. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, you're doing pretty good, my friend. All right, last question, question number five. Princess Leia tells Tarkin the location of the rebel base is where? Oh, that is located at Dantooine, although she didn't give it up right away, of course. Uh, she had to be threatened, and that would be Dantooine. Just for the listeners out there, we started at question five and ended at question five, so we didn't really <laughs> go in any order. <laughs> we didn't go anywhere. We were uh, going around in circles, but uh, absolutely, you scored a perfect score, and uh, I am proud of you. I love quizzing star wars fans especially when they're true star wars fans i wanted to scream star lord so fast at the <laughs> Jin Erso question but i was something was holding me back so that one was definitely the toughest one but i have to say the trivia i love the trivia i love little facts mm -hmm. uh, i've learned all my little facts from the star wars encyclopedia books Mm -hmm. um, I have not read through them in a long time, but uh, they're great for little tidbits and, you know, scoring high in quizzos, which you should invite me to. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and real fast before we uh, before we uh, wrap things up, are there any is there any Star Wars factoids that for some reason or another um, stick in your mind? Um, any like just really tiny little trivial things that you might have read or heard someone say, uh, like a behind the scenes thing, something that kind of like sticks in your mind that you're like, why the hell do I know that? Mm. Anything come to mind? Um, yeah, this is good. This is a good thing to ponder. And we're going to have to, to, to pander a little bit as I think about like a weird factoid I always go to, uh, damn, going through my lore right now which is just i don't know it's it's full of i feel like sometimes when you talk with star wars people everything is like insignificant because i've i've gone up against people where i would say something to be like yeah well i know that i'm like oh, well you're <laughs> never going to hear a fact from me again buddy right. um common knowledge yeah no it really is it's hard to battle common knowledge with common knowledge oh my goodness gracious i mean a kind of cool fact, which I don't know if, you know, a lot of people realize is like Mark Hamill's injury in The Empire Strikes Back. Sure. And they had to they had to reshoot, right? <laughs> and then rewrite the script. And, uh, you know, that's I think if that was today, social media would have been all over that. And yeah. They would have noticed that. But uh, I like the idea that the lightsabers were made out of like common material that they found and ginned mm -hmm. up and i think it was a camera light or something like that that yeah, it, was it was the handle of, right it was the handle of a camera flash yeah something like that so that's kind of cool. and, it, and it's funny because every time i watch old movies from the that are supposed to be you know that take place in the 50s or 60s and you see paparazzi they're mm -hmm. always holding they're always holding a lightsaber yeah and I, I, I turn into that that uh, Leonard DiCaprio meme pointing at the screen. Yes. You go, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I know that. I know that. And then the final thing, which people, I, I, you know how you, people tag you and you're like, mm-hmm. 
my sisters always tag me in like Star Wars things, and oh, yeah. <laughs> and they'll tag me in something, and then I'll throw back, "Hey, did you know that in like in all the movies, especially like Return of the Jedi, when the, the Emperor's getting to the Death Star, that that's just a painting?" And they're like, <laughs> "What?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's fake. It's all fake. By the way, it's all fake. But this one particularly is fake because it's not non-moving." So somehow they married, you know, they married that together, which is just fascinating, you know, to to do that kind of perspective is very impressive. That's too funny. One of the uh, factoids that for some reason just sticks in my brain. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the old Starlog magazine. It's kind of a fan magazine like Fangoria, uh, Monsters Negative. magazine. It's it's a uh, it's it doesn't exist anymore, but it's one of those uh, fan magazines that mm -hmm. uh, us older fans would uh, would treat almost like a, a bible of, of science fiction and and, and movies um, for some reason they were well they were doing a, a story on return of the jedi and at the time just to kind of fool the um the residents of uh, the area that they were shooting in in um, in yuma arizona they called it uh blue harvest horror beyond mm -hmm. imagination but for some reason, what sticks in my mind about that particular article is that when they were building the um, the sail barge for Jabba the Hutt, mm. um, it took 100,000 pounds of nails to build that set. Oh, that's wild. And it's it's I'll never forget that for for whatever reason it sticks in my brain. And uh, if you ever want to know how much uh, how many nails were used um, in any of the sets, uh, including. Jabba sail barge, come to me. I'll That's probably a, know. That is a good. They would call that in the sports world a LeBron stat, <laughs> uh, a stat that doesn't really matter or count, but it is extraordinary in its in its life. Um, I love that, and uh, I'll leave you with uh, what did I, well, I just thought about another factoid that hmm. came to me, but now it has fleeted. It has flown away from my brain. Oh well, <laughs> it'll come back one day. Excellent. Sean, thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Sentry Mode on this episode. Where can people find you to say hello there? Ah, well, you can uh, always follow the Extra Star Wars YouTube channel. I live mostly on YouTube posting there. Um, I'm not really active on the other things just because I am lazy. Not lazy, but sort of hyper-focused on certain topics at certain times. And with Star Wars and its hiatus, you know, Star Wars is not really the focus right now. We're into a little bit of gaming, so you can check out the gaming channel at Extra Gaming whenever, because I'm a dad that can game whenever I can. And then, of course, the tech channel, which is Extra Techie, which is a channel focused on learning, learning, and more learning. And we have a lot of fun over there because tech is weird today. And you'll never know if this podcast was generated by AI, and that's scary. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I follow both channels and uh, I will uh, actually I, I'm very happy to report that uh, our little trouble troubleshooting back and forth on, on my modem situation a couple of months ago is all fixed because Woo! of uh, our kind of fleshing out and kind dialoguing out. back and forth and, and and thinking about stuff logically. So uh, mm, I love I love to hear that troubleshooting is one of my most favorite and tedious tasks that I'm actually pretty good at when it comes down to trying to figure stuff out. So that's a love lovely to hear. Lovely to hear, lovely to live, and uh, lovely to have you on this edition, this uh, segment of Sentry Mode. Uh, Sean, extra techie, extra Star Wars, give him a follow. Uh, let's get back to the conversation here on the Scarab Scuttlebutt Podcast. Thank you, sir.
Hi, this is Sean from Extra Star Wars. Oh. And you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt. Gentlemen, start your engines. Folks, we are back with another Quick Cuts episode, and uh, there's a lot of talk in the Star Wars universe about what-ifs, and obviously uh, we uh, we know about the what-ifs in the MCU. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has been part of that uh, fabric of the franchise for a long time, since even before the movies, uh, but we've got uh, some talk about some Star Wars what-ifs. I had posted a while ago uh, that, uh, that I, in particular, do not uh, think that a what if for Star Wars is a good idea. Uh, we'll get into some reasons why. Uh, but I also want to uh, welcome Matt and Jay from the FACPA podcast. <laughs> I like acronyms, actually. That's I, I chose to go with the acronyms. Uh, Matt, Jay, how are you guys today? Doing great. Yeah, we call it FACPA, but if you want to go FACPA, that, that's fine too. Uh, it, it's a tough one. A lot of people struggle with it. I've done podcasts with people before and they say, so it's Matt from from a certain point of skew. They have to do the double from. Just make a throw up sound and you're almost there. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, my, our friend uh, Tim from the FSF Popcast. And that's a, a tongue twister too, because I want to say podcast, but mm. it's Popcast. And uh, it's uh, quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, we, we like to make things difficult. And, you know, since we, you know, pride ourselves on being a 60% knowledge podcast, it just makes right. sense to have it be just that much yep. more difficult to even understand yep. what our name is. People, uh, the amount of times people have said, oh, it's from a certain point of view podcast. I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah. We one. can't say, we can't say our own podcast name, right? Let alone the, the uh, characters in half of the series. So Good that's point. what we're known for. We And we give them their own names. And apparently we're the only ones in on that joke. <laughs> whatever works man whatever works <laughs> excellent so um what do you guys think i'm gonna cut to the chase and ask you that question that i posed a while ago uh a star wars what if i had my thoughts about um lucasfilm proposing a star wars what if and i know a lot of people would kind of use it to their advantage um but i wanted to ask you guys individually what do you guys think a star wars what if is a good idea if they do and uh produce a star wars what if what do you guys think i'll go with matt first oh i was gonna hand it to, hand it to jay <laughs> uh well I mean, I have some questions about it, which we can get yeah. into in a minute. Overall, though, my feeling is, I mean, my initial gut reaction is don't. Uh, only because I have a, I'm not as big a Marvel fan as Jay is, for instance. And and the whole, the whole, uh, what's it called? I almost said Mandoverse. <laughs> Multiverse mm -hmm. is an issue for me because I feel like it's just, it, it, 
just makes a mess of storylines and and really makes it hard to keep track of exactly what's real and what's not. And it gets very confusing for me. I have a small brain. I see Jay shaking his head. He'll respond. Say, if you're intelligent, it's not that difficult. It's, but you, and I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so I need to keep it all together in one space, yeah. or else I get very confused. But the all all both sides this one and say the podcaster in me, the person who's constantly looking for new content. Yeah in me says, sure, make whatever you want, because <laughs> then we get more shows and, and, and we can do something with it. But I do struggle with the concept of, of, I mean, even the world between worlds, I struggle mm. with because I'm like, boy, that's starting to mess with things. And you can really sure. that can spiral out of control. So I'm glad that they've only used it sparingly so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to lean on the don't do it. But if they do it, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch it. I don't know. What do you think, Jay? I, if it's anything like what they've done with the series uh, on Disney Plus with the Marvel, I say do it. I mean, they've had some really incredible writing and some of the stuff they've brought in and played with. Uh, it's kind of a continuation of things they've done, even though it's what if. And then, you know, then, they, of course, they swap things around and play with it. Why it's called what if. But I mean, there's there's so many stories. I, I get the idea that it's Star Wars. Tell the stories we want. Stop making playtime with other things, you know, uh, but I, why not have both? I think there's like some really fun, interesting stories they can do. They can even delve into like some of the legend stuff that people want to see. And it's got a what if stamp. So you kind of get to see it live action or in animation form. And then you still have your other stuff. So I, I, I like the, the, a lot of the what if stuff I've seen from Marvel and going back for even the comic books. But I, I mean, I, I made a silly list of a bunch of stuff and apparently we took off from that. So we'll talk about some of them. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have your own ideas that are actually good. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to that list. And we can also talk about some of the things that people have thrown out as far as like the likely storylines they might pursue. But does it have to be animation? You're really going to do this in live action? Yeah, I think it would be very expensive to do in live action. I think it's easier to do in animation just like they are doing with uh, with the MCU. And I'm like, I'm like Jay. I think uh, the the MCU what ifs are done very well. I like them. I like absorbing some of those stories and kind of thinking about it. Um, that but, Christmas episode from season two that was out. That was an amazing episode of uh, yeah. the Avengers. Like it was. Crazy. Yeah, I think they're done very well. I mean, even the first season with the zombies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. really, really great stuff. And I like the fact that you know a lot of the actors came back to lend their voices. Yeah. So you know that gives uh, that gives that series a little bit of uh, you know street cred when it comes to uh, you know being part of the overall story, although they yeah. are what ifs. Um, I, um, I, I am also on the fence though with, with Matt, because I think um, when you introduce a what if with star Wars, I think there's a lot of fans that have been split apart because of one reason or the other. And I think this kind of gives them maybe even more ammunition, almost like uh, throwing uh, gasoline on a fire. Um, I, uh, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to kind of uh, generate the discussion of, you see, this is what they should have done. And then oh. other people are going to say, you know, the, the opposite. So it's, it's an interesting um, thing as a fan to kind of uh, experience a what if in Star Wars, because like I said, you know, there are people at a certain point in the life of Star Wars that have already split off and say, you know, this isn't, this, this is, this crap is not for me. I wish they would have done this or that. And I think what if, uh, 
um, you know, obviously it depends on the storylines and, and the what ifs aspect of it, but uh, I think it'll give them, you know, maybe even more ammunition. But again, Matt, you are absolutely, you know, correct as podcasters, at co- as content creators, you know, we like to stir the pot a little bit. You know, we like to stir some shit up uh, every so often. And I think uh, a what if uh, is a perfect, um, you know, arena to, to be able to do that. Yeah, like you said, I think the Legends thing is a good point. It allows you to really play with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I don't I don't want to treat I don't want to treat Star Wars too too precious as many of us. It's do. a religion, damn it! Haven't you heard? Right. But <laughs> my thinking is your your points, Row, about how you feel about the Marvel one, and I think maybe that's because you're not as invested in Marvel as you are Star Wars. So maybe you don't it doesn't bother you as much that they're doing these stories, whereas Star Wars, it would bother you. It might, it might affect you differently because that's kind of your core, uh, you know, property. Don't you think? Um, I'd have to think about that. I mean, I, I think I'm as big of, of a Marvel fan, um, or at least, uh, you know, I mean, I've been collecting Marvel comics for, for a long time. Uh, probably I want to say, I don't know, probably the same amount of time as I was a, a Star Wars fan. Um, I remember, you know, going to the local grocery store and picking up a, a, a couple of comic books and, you know, um, I don't know, but I, I, yeah, I, I read them. I still have them. I've, I've got, uh, you know, boxes and boxes of, of old, uh, Marvel comics. Um, but it's interesting. I think I do hold star Wars probably to a, a higher standard or not higher standard, but just, uh, a place of, of more reverence, I guess. Um, which, well, which I think Matt, to your point, I think you're, you're, you're right in the respect that, you know, I, I might get a little bent out of shape, uh, if they kind of do a little something different with star Wars. I don't know. Well, and I've heard you say on a number of occasions that you bleed star Wars. So I've never yeah. heard you say you bleed Marvel. I mean, maybe that's correct. Maybe cr- crap Marvel. I don't know, but you, <laughs> star Wars is the thing that really, I think, it feels like to me from listening to your shows is yeah. kind of at the core. So that's why I thought maybe if I didn't care as much about it, quite as much, even if I did a lot, it, it might make it easier to, to digest it. But, uh, and did, did this idea, I'm trying to remember, did this just get floated out there? Like, where did this concept come from? Did they officially say this? Every year they've been sort of spilling this like a what if, but it was sort of hit the, the news cycle a few weeks back where it was, kind of quasi official but i don't know if i saw like an official lucasfilm thing no okay. wasn't wasn't it yeah. uh didn't it coincide with the second season of what if for the marvel and then somebody just had an idea hey what if they uh do star wars what if and then people ran with it oh it's Could all speculation okay yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That, would be, that would make sense <laughs> of course well do you want to talk about some of the things they might do i mean there was so, there was a, i kind of searched around just to see like what types of things people threw out yeah absolutely let's get into that list because uh, like you mentioned it's a it's a good one jay doesn't want to get into the list so he yeah, can just, just mute himself Ro, you and I can talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well some of the ones that came up not on jay's list which we'll get to in a second it's great uh but just the overall ones that you find when you look around for this that people you know blogging about it whatever obviously the number one of the first ones is what if qui-gon doesn't die you know, and, and yeah. he trains Anakin. Does that change Anakin's whole arc? Because he, you know, has the father figure. He doesn't get twisted in that direction or whatever. Uh, or or even, I mean, the other one I thought of too is, because then, then it gets into, gets into what if Anakin never turned? That's kind of an eventuality. But also, like, I thought, well, what if 
what if the Jedi Order just refused to train him? Like to let Obi-Wan train him, which is like, nope, back to Tatooine, you go. (laughs) (laughs) But do you think that Qui-Gon would have maybe trained him in secret? Yes, but in that scenario, sorry, I was thinking, what if Qui-Gon is dead? And then he's like, Obi-Wan, you can't train him. So Mm -hmm. we're sending him back to Tatooine because Obi-Wan at that point maybe wasn't quite as committed to him. So he's like, okay. Then he just goes back to Shmi. Like, then what happens then? So there's a lot of things you can do with just that simple bullet point of does Anakin die or not? And does the Jedi Order take him in? Yeah, that we did uh, What If Qui-Gon Lived uh, episode uh, many moons ago. And I think, you know, there was a there, there was a lot of talk about uh, Anakin's fall to the dark side. And uh, you mentioned it being an eventuality. I think this is where, you know, kind of uh, fate comes into play, where, you know, no matter where the puzzle pieces are, it always ends up like, you know, where it needs to be sure. for for whatever reason, um, you know, universal like language, the, the spirit. Oh what if Qui-Gon didn't die and the, the whole episode's like a final destination? Then he's just trying to avoid death. <laughs> right, <day>. death. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that shuttle's carrying tree logs almost hit me. <laughs> and then finally he's just like, oh, shit. I'm, oh sorry, pardon mm-hmm. my friend. He's like, forget, forget it. I'm just going to let it happen because clearly I'm meant to die. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, uh, that's always an interesting one. It, uh, you know, there are there are certain characters in Star Wars that are part of the fabric of the, you know, I don't know, the the, the quasi aspect of decisions and outcomes and, you know, things turning out the way they are. Um, and, you know, definitely Qui-Gon uh is uh one of those characters um but it, yeah it would be it would be kind of interesting to see you know how all that plays out will uh you know is his death or survival that important to change the fabric of of what it is to uh, you know to either be a powerful sith lord the way anakin turned out to be or not to hear dave filoni tell it it is it is critical i mean that is yeah, the that's right that is the whole concept behind duel of the fates that that was the right. battle essentially for what you know was going to anakin's fate so in that regard it does but you're right sure. maybe it was always kind of predestined that he would turn eventually i mean the other one i that comes up a lot is just pal with regard to palpatine um you know like like what if uh anakin didn't <clears throat> excuse me didn't intervene with mace and let him strike down Palpatine, you know, what happens then? Or what, what if maybe Kit Fisto took a break from working on his abs, worked on his saber kills a little more and actually killed Palpatine <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of that scene. Yeah. Right. Or, or even I thought, what happens if, um, Dooku had defeated Anakin, had killed Anakin, or maybe Palpatine wouldn't allow that to happen. That's probably what, probably what sure. was the So, and it, you know, and, and it all stems from, um, I mean, you know, we know that Palpatine was uh, a couple of steps ahead. What, uh, what makes us think that, uh, you know, during that time, if, if, uh, Mace, uh, would have, uh, either killed him or, you know, gone that extra step that he didn't have a backup at that time. Well, it's knows? Pre- I mean, it's yeah. again, it's all, it's all predestined. It's all fate. It's all where it should be, no matter what the, uh outside influences are um but yeah that would, that would be kind of cool yeah you could be right because it seems like palpatine everything has been about how he had everything accounted for so he mm-hmm. knew that anakin needed to protect him and save him as part of his conversion so yes. he allowed all that to happen you know what i mean what if padme had survived does she lead the rebellion 
No, I think she would, uh, she would, you know, tend to the children. Her terms were, yeah, she was, her term of service was done. So she would have just gone back and been a mom. Sure. Yeah. Making sandwiches for lunch. <laughs> Laundry. Hard to believe. I do too. It's like, I'm waiting for like half of your demographic to be like, I am done. <laughs> Look, being a stay at home mom is hard work, damn it. It is. And so, but that being said, she's a little too driven to allow that. She would have been, that'd be an interesting story. Like if she would have lived, like how would she handle knowing like the father turned into this dark force? Right. Right. Because would she, she have, would she have still sat around, she would have done yeah. everything she could to, well, one, probably try to save him. And then at some point, like he's got to go or, you know, or pay child support. Absolutely. Child support. Yeah. yeah. Although the t- the tricky thing with the child support is then he knows where she is and she doesn't right. want to know that. So, cause he's basically gonna have to be a witness protection at that point to yeah. avoid. Well, know? I don't think any of that would, I mean, she kept his last name, so it's like easy to find. <laughs> you know? She kept his last name because she died shortly after. So did she ever take his last name? Do we know that? It's Was it her last name? Skywalker? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you see the marriage license? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be interesting too. I mean, would she have had the uh, the gumption to hide the children and go into hiding and then work, mm. you know, kind of undercover mm-hmm. uh, until you know until Luke and Leia were of age that uh, that they both could bring right. you know balance to the to the force or destroy you know their father and Palpatine, assuming that Palpatine and and Anakin were still working together. Um, that, that, you know, that would be interesting. She would have made a pretty cool, you know, another, uh, fulcrum type character, you know, secretly leading the rebellion or at least leading a portion of it. Then you would have had that fun bit where the, the, the kids meet up with the mom and they're like, you abandoned us, you know? And she's like, I had to do it for your own good. And there's that whole, you know, storyline. I mean, that's, that's actually great drama. I think, you know, when you, when it comes to star Wars, you have this story of a dysfunctional family. And I think, uh, that in particular would have been, um, I think if it were handled, uh, w- you know, with care by uh, a talented writer, I think that would have been uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Does one of the kids go, well, you know what? I got to go live with dad. And she's like, go, I don't yeah. think you want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to rethink that. Don't tell me what to do, mom. <laughs> and then Maybe he storms out. Where's dad's number? <laughs> been hiding him from me forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those were, those were kind of some of the big ones. The only other one I saw that I was, I was looking at that was funny was just like, I was thinking about the facts. Like, what if what if Kenobi would have died the nine hundred and thirty seven times he probably should have died? Like that guy <laughs> has more yeah. lives than yeah. anybody. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite ones is uh, what if Anakin hadn't been damaged on Mustafar? Would he have been a powerful Sith like uh, like mm-hmm. Palpatine thought? And I think you know Palpatine's plan from the beginning was to be able to. Uh, to change bodies uh, the way he kind of did in the EU or the comic books, the Dark Horse series. But um, I, I think uh, Palpatine was kind of grooming Anakin to become, uh, you know, a powerful dark side of the force, uh, you know, wielder. Are you, and, are you, are you saying the, the, the machinery and the uh, like? Yeah, no machinery, just, you know, Anakin as, as Darth Vader, you know, without any machinery, without any breathing apparatus, uh, I feel like he would have become one of the most powerful Sith ever. Hmm. 
I feel like he, he still is on the list, but I see what you're saying. Like, it was, oh, he's he's definitely he was, on the list because I think the pain, you know, the handicap. I think the 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 pain Literally. is what drove his right. his passion. But yeah. I think um, there would have been maybe a, a different pain to uh, to drive his passion without the injuries, and you know, knowing what he went through um, because of in, his injuries, it seems like. Uh, Darth Vader without the suit uh, gets dipped in Bacta for a, a period of time to kind of re-strengthen his physical body. And then, you know, after a while, you know, the burns kind of uh, take its toll and uh, he has to go back mm-hmm. into the back to tank. But um, yeah, I, I think without those burns and without that in- injury, um, his body would have been... Um, I you think know, he would have killed the emperor Trump. and I think you're right where I think he was being groomed for him to be like his next vessel. But with yeah. uh, Vader having been so strong, he would have killed the emperor. That would have yeah. been pretty epic. Yeah. 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 There's a what if right there. Well, I know that's what I'm saying. All these are great. What if, what if Luke yeah. turned? What if, what if Darth turned Luke? You know, that's one that, I mean, he certainly had a little bit of that inkling in him. So sure. that was always a possibility. Uh, I also thought about what if Rogue One, our, one of our favorite films, what if they failed? What if they yeah. didn't get the plans? Yep. You know, you would assume those people on Yavin wouldn't just sit there and be like, ah, shit. They would have probably, you know, bogged <laughs> out of there and started a new, uh, you know, a new location for them to, to operate from. And it just would have been continually being chased. But at that point, mm-hmm. the Death Star would have been a huge, huge problem. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know. Did you <laughs> did you want to get well, the other one I thought of, too, that was more recent. What if what if BB-8 never runs into Ray on Jakku? Let's see. Yeah, that is sort of like a that had to happen. Yeah. Right? If yeah. BB-8 doesn't run off and find Ray, does she ever get involved and pulled in in any fashion? Right. I mean, I guess she was she was at the uh, I always forget the name of that place. Whatever that old that old village. Um, Uncar plots little yeah Uncar plots place. I feel like he would have ended up there and she would have seen him there right after scavenging for the day. It was like they right. were kind of des- – I mean, not Maybe. many places for BB-8 to scamper off to. She wouldn't have been, been as attached to him, though. She would have sure. just been like, why are these people after this droid? This is weird. But maybe she would have acted anyway. I just thought you know, right. that, was, that was a way to kick that relationship off and drag her all the way into that, that rebellion, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because all of these what-ifs um, – you can argue that, uh, you know, again, um, they're predestined to happen the way that they did um, by moving any, you know, any chess piece, you know, slightly different. It's still the outcome is still the same. It's, so, um, so, so even if R5 doesn't purposely blow his motivator so that R2 goes with Luke as from a certain point of view, storybooks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, R2 would have found his way to Luke or to somebody. Like to somebody it's yeah. always going to end up being it's always going to end up happening maybe um you know after luke meets uh biggs in anchorhead he went uh biggs uh maybe wanted to sort of look for a droid a new droid before he left and he finds r2 and r2 be. r2 later uh you know meets luke when when all that stuff happens and they get together and biggs is even more of a hero 
But the yeah. funny thing is, if you did all these what ifs and all those things we're talking about happen where it's like, oh, this is all predestined. We'd still get back to the same plot. <laughs> People would be like, you know, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what was that? Somebody had mentioned that, uh, that that's kind of what happened with uh, Indiana Jones as a character. Like he didn't affect anything. Right. And n- nothing he did, um, you know, had any meaning. I thought it was only Raiders of the Lost Ark where that argument's made. Isn't yeah, that, I think you're right. First one, but yeah. it's not like there's I, I saw the I've seen that argument a few times, but there's uh other ones that like dispute it and like look, this is it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Right, same, because so. the, yeah, the, the argument is that they eventually get the Ark, the Nazis, and open it and it blows them all away. Right. So sorry, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah. So what it what would have changed? You know, right. I, I, see, I see that point. I it, I think some people have made the point almost like you didn't even need to tell the story. And I'm like, absolutely. We need to tell the story. It's a freaking great story. <laughs> right. But, right. But I get I get the I get the joke. Too funny. Do we need yeah. to go over Jay's list? Just for shits and giggles. OK, see, you swore there. It's not just me. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. <laughs> Did you see the list? Have you looked at the list, Jay? There was a there was maybe an editor too that that happened late. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> so so jay had his first one on the list of course and for those scarif listeners who don't know jay very big fan of mon mothma very very big fan probably president of the van club and i'm the love of her life <laughs> <laughs> so jay had mon mothma settle what if mon mothma settled down with an angry ginger and roe added and roe on the weekends oh. <laughs> look she's My a handsome heart. she's a handsome lady love, but not happening. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> That's there's the line. What were some of the other ones you like, Jay? Go through some of yours. Oh God, the Yoda one. I forgot about that one. Uh, what's the oh, Yoda struggled with testicular cancer in an eight-part Disney Plus series, only to discover during recovery it also had colon cancer. <laughs> Which uh, did you tweet all that out at one point? Yeah, I have a, a write-up. It'll be. I, I think I'm going to try and include it into our um, our certain point of skew uh, story. Oh that great! Two weeks. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I don't know if we could share this one on your show. Uh, <laughs> the Anakin turned to the dark side out of fear of having to explain to the council that he wasn't having relations with Padme because he only practiced soaking. Oh my God! <laughs> wow. Now these are good. all like stream of conscious. Like I'm just writing stupid stuff down. So. Uh, <laughs> I I don't remember writing these, but the yeah, they're funny. <laughs> I like the uh, Luke and Leia couldn't deny their chemistry after that first steamy kiss and wanted to keep the Skywalker Jedi pure, so Kylo was secretly Luke's and not Han's. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I recently got into uh, some hot water with some shippers. I just asked a simple question about right. uh, when did all this shipping stuff happen, and wow, was I uh, was I schooled? You really? were schooled. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Well, I think it's because I think the ship, I think the term shipping right. has really been, been become around. a big deal lately, but the concept mm-hmm. has been there forever. Sure. It's just that people didn't say outwardly, I'm shipping these two characters. I want them right. to be together. But I think it's come up a lot. Now, granted, I do think you're, you had a point in that. I think there was always that shipping done, but it was a little bit maybe more with some of the obvious characters, not every single combination possible. Right. Like I had no idea. I had no idea that Spurk was a thing. What's in, Spurk? In Star Trek, Spock and Kirk getting it on. 
Well, didn't and this, they, all they, of these things started skirt. like uh, back in the day on like internet chat rooms, right? Where people would like write right. like uh, their own fanfic um, and uh, love yeah. stories and stuff like that and billboards. Yeah. And, and I, I, I have this, I had the same expression that you did just now, Matt. I, I had no clue. I'm not in, I wasn't into that. I didn't seek it out. Um, somebody asked me, Man, I want to hear a podcast on that. <laughs> well, the, the, I just thought about the fact that it's, you know, the, the com- combination of names, if you start with Kirk, right. that name becomes a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Spock. Just a little. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'm saying I'm kick. It's kick. It's kick. I'm not saying the other word. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, are, I, I had my right. eyes opened on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else did you have in here? Um, what about um, Ray discovers that Kylo had secretly made a bet with his boys to run homies that he could turn into he could turn anyone into a hot Jedi like and she's all that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's going to involve boys to run, I'm good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the boys to run, they do the whole soundtrack to the film. <laughs> as, as, as they should. <laughs> uh, Mace Windu is Bayless Skull's master. That's kind of a cool one. Um, That'd be a yeah. fun story. Yeah. Chopper uploads his consciousness into a separatist assassin droid. Uh oh. Jeez, man. Palpatine had a sister. Somehow Palpatine's sister showed up. Oh, the whole family's here. Yeah, Yeah. right. What do you think that family reunion's like? Because isn't he from like like a a rich, like not royal, but you know, aristocratic background? Yeah. 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 So is it like is it like Hitler? Do they all like deny the name? Oh, they don't go by Palpatine anymore. Yeah, like they're not. wasn't wasn't part of our lineage. (laughs) (laughs) Deny. Yeah. Uh, What else did you have here? Lando switched out his capes for ascots. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) General Grievous moonlighted as an underworld dominatrix. I can see that. I mean, he could hold a lot of bubbles in those hands. I, mean, <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking of the spankings, like just line them up out the door. But yeah, you're yeah. right. There'd be a lot of uh, wobbly things flying around. And he'd never get tired, you know? What uh, yeah, What if Obi-Wan secretly fathered a child? That's a whole That's a whole theory out there already, the Corky Crease. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. With Satine? Yeah, that would be one. I mean, I think people are still hoping that that actually somehow... Right, canon and actually comes What's out. What's that kid's name? He's got some weird name. Corky. Corky. Corky yeah. 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 He and he and he's the one who, because uh, he's supposed to be her nephew, right? But we're thinking it's actually her son. I think that's right. what the nobody yeah. could figure out who the hell his parents are. Then you know. Um, and I actually can't believe that in the Kenobi series they didn't make mention of Satine in some way. I'm surprised. Yeah, it it seemed like obvious. I, I'm just, I, it's weird they didn't in a way, yeah. you know, no mention of her at all. <laughs> Count Dooku secretly married Asajj Ventress, but kept Yaddle as a mistress. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Asajj's was too, because I mean, anyone's going to go out on her when she's at home. I well, mean, she's going to serve as Dooku any way he needs it. As we're reading... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quinlan Voss is in the mix, so that's right. That's, that's true. Thing. Yeah, that's a whole nother yeah. love triangle, maybe there. Uh, any others you wanted to touch Ahsoka on? There became Darth Vader's secret apprentice, and together they killed Papaltine. Ooh, 
That would be pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a dark story. Like then Vader kind of rises to the Emperor and Ahsoka is sort of the the Vader of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like that one. <laughs> I mean, I think I like Maz and Peli on Tatooine in a summer fling, all I eat, pray, love more, but I still I do like the dark side stuff too. You know, keeping I've never up, seen keeping, pray keeping love, up with the show. I didn't know if that would even work. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm, you, you, I'm sure you know the concept, but I yeah, keeping into the keeping with the shipping uh concept, I think that's the one that I was going for. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that was kind of the bulk of them. Good those ideas, good. good ideas. Um, let's call Kathleen Kennedy and submit those. Well, we're pretty sure she listens to our podcast, so yep. uh, I'm sure she'll listen to this and <laughs> jot some ideas down and just send them on over to Favs and Filoni and be like, what do you guys think? Coming soon to Disney Plus near you. All of these. All I'm, of these. I'm I'm on a short uh, like I'm I'm I've got short timers. I'm I'm gonna be out of this job here in a little while because I'm just gonna retire. So I'm just gonna start floating wild ass ideas out just yeah. for fun. Just to watch the whole world explode and Twitter go crazy. I I'd, I'd be interested to hear what your listeners think, if if they're on board or or not, because it, like I said, it's it's a really interesting concept and you can do a lot of fun stuff and there's a lot of cool storylines you could bring in mixing things together or completely flipping things on on their heads. But I think probably some people have that same view of kind of, uh, I'm a little nervous about just sure. how far you're going to go off the deep end with this. Yeah. Um, you know, you keep it, uh, you keep it kind of, uh, on a fun level. Uh, you know, I always say what enjoy star Wars responsibly, but if yeah. you can, uh, if you can keep it on the, on a fun level, um, it could work, but, um, Knowing some Star Wars fans, <laughs> that might uh, that might not happen. But um, that's all good. Yep. Well, thank you for having us on, Ro. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We, um, you know, it's, it's open door policy here. If you guys ever want to come back, uh, pick a topic, and uh, we'll definitely uh, chat. We got to do a live show soon. Yes, we should we'll do that. Do you always yeah. do them on Saturdays? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can make that work. <clears throat> always do them Saturdays. You know, the other thing too, is that we can record a video and then, uh, you know, during the week and then just uh, present it live as if it were, you know, happening right then and there. Sure. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll work something out. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Why don't you tell the, my listeners uh, where people can find you to say hello there. Yeah. So uh, from a certain point of skew.com on Twitter is the best place to reach out to us. F A C P A pod on Twitter. So reach us there and yeah, just appreciate anybody who wants to have a listen to our show and, and get a, I mean, I guess from this conversation, you get a taste of where our, our, our <laughs> minds are in the gutter at times. Uh, we the three episode challenge, the three episode challenge. There you go. You'll get a pretty good taste of exactly what we do, which is as we describe ourselves, kind of more of a casual approach, uh, yeah. really don't, take anything too seriously especially ourselves and so uh exactly. we, we get a little loose and wild with some of our topics but we have a lot of fun with it it's fun yeah excellent excellent gentlemen it was a pleasure for you to see me it was thank you <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure for us to see you <laughs> i had to subvert your expectations with that one thank you guys very much this uh, has been another uh, quick cuts edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Let's return to some more discussion. And if you have any what if ideas, uh, please give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. We'll check them out. 773-234-8659. All right, guys.
right, folks. I wanted to take a little break and say thank you to all the patrons here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Do you all remind me to make sure that we spit out some good product here from topics to technical? We want to make sure that you are proud of us enough to attach your name to this show. First of all, our executor tier, Scott and Kim of the Use and Abuse podcast, a proud member of the Red 5 family. Make sure to check them out. Visit them in the chat when they go live for fun and shenanigans. And speaking of shenanigans, another wonderful supporter, Nicholas Schaefer, Mr. Backyard Tardis himself. Hey, he's got a channel, Adventures in Locksmithing, and if you think rekeying is all he does, well, you should watch a few of his videos and prepare yourself for the crazies. Right, and moving on to our garrison tier. Big thanks to the Frank, our resident back to the future expert. Log in and say hello. What's up, Frank? Melanie Marquita, big high five to you, my friend. One of my favorite collaborators. We got comics and cosmetics. Danny, her YouTube channel's got the latest nerd news and some awesome tips on comics and cosmetics. Go give her a sub. All right, big shout outs to Alex, the salty nerd himself. Nicole, peace, love, and all fandoms. And someone who brings joy to my timeline, Belinda. So glad you're on this list. I also want to give a special shout out to Vader, Rapina, and Rennie. And of course, Ollie and family. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you, patrons and friends of the podcast. If you're interested in helping to keep the lights on here, get some exclusive Scare of Swag, stickers, and my periodic row rant episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash scare of scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. Monitoring the Star Wars podcast transmission from all across the Star Wars podcast galaxy. As I'm listening, and also Imperial Transmissions. This is Royal Farm Boy. I've heard the scuttlebutt. Have you? Give them a listen. End transmission. For my ally is the Force, and the powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings, though we, not this crude matter. Okay, folks, thanks for hanging out here on this episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. This is Ro, your friendly neighborhood podcaster, I guess. Uh, this is a, uh, a quick cuts episode. Uh, the third segment, I saved the le- the best for last, as they say. They're all good, but uh, this one this one will definitely get you riled up, I'm sure. Um, this is definitely a uh, what I like to uh, sub-qualify as a Tatooine hot take. But uh, it's uh, it's not foreign to a lot of people. Uh, I know a while ago we um, we were treated to the end of the Ahsoka show, and um, there was a lot of talk uh, because of uh, the Ahsoka show. We had some characters using the Force. I made a uh, meme with uh, Oprah Winfrey saying, "You get the Force. You get the Force. Everybody gets the Force." And uh, this third topic on this episode is uh, dealing with. Uh, the um, I guess the, the, the notion that uh, everybody can train to be a great Jedi, you just need a little training, a little work, um, since everybody's got the force. And uh, to uh, help me distill this, uh, this topic uh, straight from the interwebs on X or Twitter or Twix, however you want to call it, is uh, no Zoop. Uh, to join me on this edition, uh, this segment, uh, no Zoop, how are you doing tonight? 
Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, I, I think this uh, segment is <laughs> might ruffle a little feathers here. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. We like to ruffle feathers, stir the pot. Um, but um, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, jump right into it. First of all, um, I know a lot of people uh, kind of use Yoda's uh, description of the Force uh, in The Empire Strikes Back when he was talking to to Luke. Uh, the fact that the force is everywhere, it surrounds us. Um, and I think, um, you know, there there might be a difference because obviously um, let's get into it. I wanted to get your take in right away because you're the one that uh, that really uh, you, you contacted me and you really wanted to talk about it. And I know we've been planning this for quite some time and I wanted to give you a chance to kind of, uh, you know, distill uh, what was in your thoughts before we get into deep with it. But uh, why don't you go for it? Explain to to us um, what your thoughts are on, on the force, especially. Uh, during the, uh, you know, the discussions that everybody was having during the Ahsoka show. Yeah. So, so first I'll just lay out what George Lucas said. George Lucas said that, yeah, everybody's affected by the force, but not everybody can use the force. And that all goes back to the whole midichlorians that he created for, you know, the Phantom Menace. A high midichlorian count means that you're going to be better able to tap into the force. Just because you have midichlorians, though, you might not be able to tap into them. And it, and he goes out there and actually says that not everybody's going to be able to do that. And I, I had it somewhere. I don't have it right now. But it, that that is literally from his mouth what he wrote. Not everybody can use the force. It, it's – go ahead. I, no, I, no, I hear you taking that breath, that preemptive uh, – <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think I tend to agree with you. And I know people were arguing back and forth uh, regarding that. And, uh, you know, I, I always would counter by saying and not really counter because I think um, I, I think we're kind of in agreement uh, for the most part. But it, it's almost like, you know, when people ask you, you know, well, anybody can use the force. Anybody can be a, a great Jedi. Um I, I always equate that to can everyone, um, if all it is is training, can everyone be a uh, a master pianist or a violinist? That, that, that is exactly what George Lucas said, and and I have it right here in front of me right now. All right, perfect. Read it. That that's why I split it into the personal living force and the cosmic force. The personal force is the energy field created by ourselves interacting and doing things while we are alive. When we die. We lose our persona and our energy is assimilated into the cosmic force. If we have enough midichlorians in our body, we can have a certain amount of control over our personal force and learn to use it. Like the Buddhist practices of being able to walk on hot coals. Some people can't because they just don't have as many midichlorians. That's just genetics. So the more midichlorians we have, the more accessibility we have to the force. So we have to be trained how to use it. For example, we can be good at math and on the piano, but to become a physicist or a concert pianist, you have to be trained. You have to be trained to use that force, to use the genes that give you a talent that is different from everybody else. There it is, right from George Lucas. <laughs> Not everybody can use the force. You have to have midichlorians and you have to be able to tap into them. And, and that's just the beginning part. I haven't even got 
into why this revelation of the end of Ahsoka is so bad. And, you know, the broom kid and the last Jedi and (laughs) gotta love love that broom kid. Yeah. Do you want me do you want me to just jump right into that now that we know what George Lucas says? Well, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you um, kind of relating it to the real world. So, you know, obviously there are lessons that can be taught for someone to be able to play the piano or the violin. Um, If you have, uh, you know, dedication, uh, time to practice, you can you can be uh, very good at the violin. Um, You uh, you set forth, you know, the the blood, sweat and tears to to train really hard and, and become a very good violinist. Um, doesn't that give you the, uh, I guess, the opportunity or the road map to become a great violinist? Or do you feel that it's a, it's a question of, and you said it for the force, kind of like gene- genetics, but in the real world, it's kind of like, uh, you know, that old adage, you either got it or you don't. What's, what's your take on that? Yeah, with, with music, I mean, some people just have it and some people don't. I mean, I, I can train myself all I, all I want to be a pianist, but I'm never going to be a concert pianist. I, I might get to a level where I sound decent and people might want to actually sit in the room with me. But Lucas continues. He says, he, he says, so you have to be found and fostered if you have more than a certain number of midichlorians. So he's saying more than a certain number. You can become a Jedi. Again, this is from Lucas's mouth. So, you know, what's the cutoff? We don't know. We, we know that Anakin had an extremely high account. So maybe everybody has some midichlorians. Maybe I'm walking around and I've got like five. Well, is five going to do anything for me? No. <laughs> Consolation prize. Uh, guess what? You're never learning the force. Maybe you need a thousand. You know, I, I, I don't know the exact, you know way to determine how many midichlorians someone has in their blood or whatever else. I don't, I don't even know if Lucas does, but he says it specifically. You have to have a certain amount to be able to become a Jedi. Jedi the Jedi will train you to connect to your personal force and then to connect to the cosmic force. You don't have much power to control the cosmic force, but you can make use of it. So so basically, you know, everybody, like you said at the very beginning, everybody interacts with the force. The force flows through us, like Yoda says, the rock, the tree, kind of like oxygen. I mean, oxygen flows all around us. Sure. But, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do with oxygen. I, maybe that's a bad analogy. <laughs> no, but, I, <laughs> but, yeah, I, but yeah, I, yeah, I, the, I can see that. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the force, it, it's around everyone, but not everybody can tap into it because – People don't have the genes to be able to tap into it. They don't have that magical number of midichlorian that you need in order to be found force sensitive, which the Jedi went out and took kids from their homes to train. I mean, they Ahsoka, they went to her village. They found her. They took her from her family. They've been doing that for thousands of years, finding force sensitive kids. They protected Force-sensitive kids because they were worried that the Sith were going to find them. You know, post uh, post Endor, they were worried about that. They they kept the the list of potential Jedi very close to them. I I mean, I, if I recall, I think that's what Jedi, which which was it, Outcast? What wasn't that? what it was about protecting the holocron and everything, or maybe that was Rebels. They're they're all running together at this point, yeah. but. 
I think it was I think it was Rebels. So, you know, yeah. we we um we mentioned Rebels obviously we're talking about uh the, the impetus for our discussion is the end of Re- is uh, the end of the Ahsoka show. Um I had um singled out a post which I think um kind of uh spearheaded this uh this entire diatribe between the fans. Um someone on Twitter called Star Councils uh, quoted uh, Natasha uh, Bordizo as defending Ahsoka's controversial choice to make her character a Jedi. She says in an interview with Dagobah Dispatch, the actress said that the idea is that strength is difficult to achieve, but achievable with hard work. Um, so it's basically she's saying, you know, I've I've got this ability and I can hone it and I can become a great Jedi. Um, with practice. Practice makes perfect. And obviously there's a lot of people. Uh, we've got a follower, the Starkiller one says uh, she's wrong. You've got uh, other people. Um, Flashpoint Saber says, and this is exactly what Rebels set up for the character, so it makes sense. Other people saying, I'm disappointed that people aren't understanding this concept. It shouldn't be that difficult to grasp. I mean, there's a lot of back and forth, especially with this um, with this tweet. Um, and I, um, you know, it's funny as a star Wars fan, uh, nothing seems to be simple, uh, black and white. Uh, there's never, (laughs) there's, uh, there's always room for, it's almost as bad as, uh, interpreting prophecy here. Yep. So if, if I, I guess I can make this very simple. If she has the ability to use the force, which apparently she does. It's because, according to George Lucas, she has midichlorians and a certain amount of midichlorians, that magical threshold that allows her to tap into the Force and be trained. That's that's the only way it works, and that's what George Lucas set in line. You know, Bordizio, she might have her own thoughts on it. She might not even know what midichlorians are. Who knows? Because she's an actress. And let, let, let's be honest, not all of them know everything about Star Wars lore. Sure. So it, it's highly possible that she's just going into it, not knowing about everything set forth in the Phantom Menace and by George Lucas and everything else. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, you work hard. You can become a Jedi. But here's the problem with that. And if that's the direction Filoni takes with it here, it, the problem is significant because if you're saying that you no longer need a certain midichlorian threshold, it basically it, it's almost like the hold on uh, the hold on maneuver. It's like, well, why haven't they just been aiming X wings, uh, you know, piloted by droids into the Death Star? Why haven't they been aiming them at destroyers? And yeah, they got themselves a little out in uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Well, that was a one in a million. Well, you know what? That that's just a, a stupid way to say. Okay, well, all right, may, maybe they got lucky. <laughs> but the the problem with everyone can be a Jedi is that it negates the purpose of having force sensitive children and actually going out and finding them. If you're a Jedi, it, it completely wrecks that lore and diminishes it because now you're saying. We don't have to look for force sensitive kids and take them from their families. Maybe we can maybe we can just have auditions. Maybe maybe you can just show up at the temple with your kid and we'll take them in and train them ourselves. Furthermore, it it further wrecks that lore because the Sith could do the same thing. Hey, let's create an unstoppable force 
of force sensitive inquisitors. You know, we'll we'll just take them at an early age and we'll just train them to be force users. Or it completely negates the need for a Grand Republic army. We don't need clones now. You know what? We'll just have some Jedi training all the kids they can find in an early age. And you know what's better than 3 million clones? Well, maybe 300,000 Jedi. Obviously, that wouldn't work for Dooku because, you know, he wanted to get rid of the Jedi. But still, that's a huge problem when you're saying that anyone can be a Jedi. It, it just completely wrecks the lore in a way that is not repairable and just makes everything that happened up to the point of Ahsoka, it, it just nullifies it if this is the route that they're actually going or that Filoni's actually going. And I suspect he's hoping we don't think this deep about it, which, you know, oh. obviously, obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> but right. you, now you see the issues that this causes, though, if it's revealed that, yes, you know, um, Sabine became a Jedi solely off of stick and, you know, she doesn't have any midichlorians. She just tried really hard, and uh, here she is. So now that opens things up for any Mandalorian to become, hey, maybe Din Djarin will become a Jedi. Maybe he'll say, you know what, I want to give this a try. I'm going to try really hard. Or, or maybe... Pele Mato is going to be the next Jedi. She's oh, just going to show no. up and say, hey, guess what? You know what? I, I don't know. Maybe I've got one midichlorian floating around. That might be enough. I'll just keep trying every single day and become a Jedi. So it's it's a huge issue. You know what bothers me is the um, – I guess some of the, the newer stories um, – just dropped the whole midichlorian count situation. I think, uh, you know, so early on in the Ahsoka show, we, uh, you know, obviously we get, uh, we get Sabine doing some training and some wondering if she could train, uh, you know, to be a Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. And we're, you know, we're, we're reintroduced to the droid, um, in uh, in Ahsoka from from Rebels, obviously the droid is is ancient. He's old. Uh, he has uh, you know oh, been yeah. around. Right. Yeah. He he's been around, so he knows. Um, I don't understand why they just just didn't say. You know what? Uh, doesn't seem like you're 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 being effective in this training. But let me let me check your midichlorian count just yep. to make sure. Um, that didn't happen. Um, although the droid kept on telling Sabine that, look, you're, you're just no good. You're, I've seen some really bad Jedi training and, and you're, you're one of the worst. Um, I feel like they were, obviously they were setting that up for, for a later reveal that, you know, that maybe Hu Yang was wrong. Um, not done very well, but, um, it is what it is, but I, yeah, I, I, I do feel that, uh, one little midichlorian count could have, uh, just answered a whole bunch of questions here. Yeah. Ever since the prequels, the whole notions of midichlorians have kind of just been tossed to the wayside and it, it was important enough that Lucas put it in there. It was a big deal for him. I didn't necessarily agree with it back then. But now, seeing the, the direction in which things are going, I, I see the importance of it. And I see why, you know, he did add it in there because he's going to have, well, thousands of Jedi in the prequels. And he had to have an explanation for how they all came to be and why Anakin was the chosen one. 
So we, we, we've just kind of moved away from that. And I, I don't know if this is Filoni here doing that, just trying to give his own characters a spotlight while, uh, you know, just kind of moving away from what Lucas had done. But I've seen people trying to twist things and say, well, Lucas meant that everyone could be it as well. And, you know, maybe, maybe he thinks that now, but if he does, I have a feeling it's because Disney has gone that direction. And I don't think he wants to ruffle too many feathers with Disney. Just like, you know, I, I, I have a suspicion that Peter Zahn might not be 100% happy with the way Thrawn was portrayed. Uh, you know, I, I met the guy two years ago and asked him questions. And I'm like, well, has Disney reached out to you? And he said back then they hadn't, which he might have just been saying because he couldn't say. But, I mean, could, could anyone who was a heir to the Empire fan and watched Ahsoka have been 100% happy with Thrawn? I, I don't know. I, I know I was let down, and it has nothing to do with how he looked or anything. I, I just feel that he doesn't live up to what was set forth in Heir to the Empire, which also set up the direction for some of the Jedi and the extended universe and how – expanded universe and how Luke started – you know, training the new Jedi. And it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to go on the street and find some people that, you know, want to, want to give it their best. And we'll, we'll start a new, <laughs> you know, student, start a new era of Jedi that don't mm -hmm. need midichlorians because we just think we, we, we want to take the lazy way out, you know. It, it, and that's all it is. It's lazy storytelling. And I, I feel that's what a lot of Disney has devolved to. And, probably why I love Andor so much because it rewards viewers for their intelligence, I feel, but that's opening another can of worms. Well, we can open that can of worms. I think Andor is top tier Star Wars. I think Andor is top tier drama, well-written. You know, I, uh, in previous episodes, I've always said this and I, I know, um, uh, for anyone listening, you know, uh, I, whenever Andor comes up, I, I say this, you know, I, I remember watching Andor and, and up until the end, and I thought, wow, it's going to be really difficult for me to go back to regular Star Wars because this was superb. I agree. It's, it's the best we've gotten since probably Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, that's saying Return of Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. But Empire Strikes Back is the best. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll openly admit that. And I think up until we got Rogue One, it nothing just felt like Star Wars. Then we get Rogue One and then we get Andor, which is a natural follow on despite being a prequel to it. But uh, trifecta acting, directing. Yes. Uh, there's not not a single bad Visuals. actor. Writing was perfect. The volume wasn't there to throw things off, which I'm, I'm starting to really not like. I, I think the volume just does not look good to my eyes now. Um, yeah, we got used to it. We got used to the visual yeah. awkwardness of, of the volume. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big technology guy from behind the scenes. So I loved, you know, when it was announced during the first uh, season of Mandalorian, I thought, oh my God, this is so, this is great. You know, it frees up the, the creatives to, you know, if they want to shoot a sunset scene for like three hours straight and not have to worry about the sun actually going down, they could. Um, I, I think it looks good in certain scenes, especially the outdoor scenes where, you know, they don't have to move around a lot. But when, when you start using it for ship scenes and, you know, indoor scenes, I, I think I think they use it in Ahsoka. And just for some reason, when they're at the Senate with uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, it just looked it looked off. It just 
does not look good in certain circumstances. But th- this is kind of getting away from the whole <laughs> Jedi thing. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, leave it to two Star Wars get together. They go off in different directions. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, I'm rereading some of the comments under that uh, original tweet that I had mentioned um, a, a couple of minutes ago. And, I mean, it's it's really it's back and forth. Uh, you know, people saying it makes sense. Everybody can be a Jedi People are saying, no, that's not what George Lucas intended. Um, But it is interesting to kind of throw in the midichlorians um, argument because um, I think um, I think what you mentioned about George Lucas kind of setting that up, um, that would be, in my opinion, that would be the answer and or the blueprint as to who can become a Jedi or not. Um, If they were counting midichlorians back in the prequels, that means that they, you know, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were, were not the only ones that were doing that in order to qualify a candidate to become a Jedi or at least be Jedi trained. So I think you, you've got something there, uh, you know, absolutely with the whole midichlorian count. And I, um, I don't know. You know, they obviously they uh, the what was it the first uh, season of Mandalorian a little bit sprinkled throughout the rest of the seasons. You, you know, we have the term uh, M count when it comes to to Grogu and the yeah, early and they, stories. And they did use that. Yeah, yeah, I forgot um, about that. But um, but other than that, I mean, you know, again, I, I think when it comes to continuity between the old and the new, you know, Star Wars is a couple of decades old. It's got a lot of lore, a lot of stories that uh, that I think should probably be um, organized a little better when it comes to, you know, creating new material, uh, especially because, I, you know, I, I think these things have to be kind of cross-referenced and checked and double-checked just to make sure that uh, that there is uh, some sort of continuity, like I said, especially now because Star Wars is so uh, entrenched um, with with other writers and other creatives and, and, and new fans coming in all the time. Um, I just I don't want to confuse them. And I want uh, I would love for Star Wars to be kind of one cohesive universe, one cohesive galaxy where uh, where it all makes sense, uh, no matter what era you're visiting. It would be nice. I don't know if we'll get it, though. Well, Star Wars is about hope. So (laughs) (laughs) a new hope, a new hope. Um, any final thoughts uh, before we uh, we let you go? This uh, this was kind of exhilarating. It kind of uh, got my blood going. Final thoughts? Um, no, again, it, it's just Lucas setting in motion. He put the parameters in there, and if you break that, it just completely breaks the lore. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I I will ask uh, our our listeners one last question. Um, if you guys want to chime in. Um, at what point do creative people that are doing new Star Wars, at what point um, do you expect people to maybe forget the, I guess, the blueprints that Lucas uh, set forth? Is that a uh, is that a good thing? Does that free up the franchise to tell more stories in a more diverse way? Or is that a problem that uh, that would destroy the franchise uh, irrevoc- irrevocably um, by just forgetting the uh, 
you know, the lessons or not lessons, the blueprint that George laid out. So uh, if you have any thoughts on that, um, that would be uh, a, another um, another episode because it's a it's a very um, it's a very deep and strong question uh, that would garner uh, some some very strong opinions uh, based on on that. But uh, Zoop, no Zoop on Twitter. Thank you very much for joining me on this segment of quick cuts uh yeah definitely uh, a topic that was uh, talked about a while ago during the ahsoka show and sabine becoming a jedi surprising everyone oh she's a jedi now but um let's see what happens in the future i know we're getting uh this year we're getting uh skeleton crew we're getting uh the acolyte uh we'll uh, we'll see what happens and what they uh plan to do with jedi slash sith lore during those shows All right, it's time to find out how you can be in the running for our first giveaway of February. If you love Star Wars art and supporting local artists, we've got the giveaway just for you. A few days ago, I posted a picture of a scene from The Empire Strikes Back, everyone's favorite Star Wars, a rendition of the attack on Echo Base, a beautiful AT-AT and snow speeder in trouble, created by local artist John Rodriguez. Okay, listen up, here are the requirements. Take note. First, you gotta call the Scare Scuttlebutt hotline at 773-234-8659 and tell us why you enjoy the show. Is it the cool topics, interesting guests, spirited discussion, or anything else? We try to produce the best conversation conversational show we can where everyone has a chance to speak and i'm hope i'm living up to that second requirement i love collectibles so show me your favorite item in your collection post a picture of your favorite item on twitter make sure to tag a friend and use the hashtag always sunny on scare for your chance to win this wonderful piece of star wars art the winning entry will be heard in the following weeks from the voicemails that you leave so make it a good one and i gotta say that this goes out to only the folks in the continent US. That's it. Just a few rules to follow and you could be a winner. Look for more giveaways this month. We've got some unique items from artists from all over, so don't miss out. Remember, the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast is a proud founding member of the Red 5 Network, so make sure to look for my brothers and sisters at bio.link slash red5. You'll find some amazing content creators like DJ at the Exegesis, Pat and Charles from the Conversations podcast, Danny over at Comics and Cosmetics, or the gang at Used and Abused, and a whole lot more. Make sure to join us when we go live on YouTube for some fun discussions and shenanigans. Until next time, I want to thank all my guests on this Quick Cuts episode. If you like the conversation, make sure to leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, tell a friend about the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Remember, it's always sunny on Scarif, and that's the Scuttlebutt. <laughs>